0: For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey everybody, Chandler Bolt here and joining me today is Nick Stevenson. Nick is a best-selling fiction and nonfiction author and he also teaches other authors how to find their first 10,000 readers. Nick's a good friend. He He's another, we got another UK Um, person on the hangout excited about that and also Nick and I we we geek out on marketing and we talk we talk marketing we talk audience building we're we're always on Skype sharing our best stuff Um, so I figured why not bring him on here to teach and I'm really excited because this is something that Nick does really really well is the marketing and the audience building side of things so Nick welcome brother.
1: Thank you for having me Uh, it's great to be here. I always love chatting with you. Um <laughs> for the guys watching this, we do geek out all the time. Literally, like I'll get a phone call from Chandler. Like, can we talk about conversion rates? <laughs> like <laughs> it's good fun. <laughs> so literally, we're just gonna have a massive geek session like right now and give you guys something cool to take away. So absolutely. absolutely. To be.
0: Now before we get into all the geeking on marketing, audience building, all that stuff, I wanna take it back a little bit to give people some perspective. And because partly because I know you have a great story here, um, and that is where did you start with all this writing stuff and how did you get into writing your first book?
1: So it was I think I'm I'm a bit of a strange case because I'm not one of these people who's gone down the traditionally published route where I've tried for years to get published and and never managed it. And I'm not the kind of person who kind of has always wanted to write fiction for a living, but I did always want to do something of my own. So I have my own business and I wanted to do something creative. And I think the opportunity just came along sort of 2011 sort of time when I'd been working sort of corporate world for, you know, five years. I didn't last very long and um, sort of realized like, is is this all there is? And figured out pretty early on that I didn't want to spend like the next 40, 50 years of my career doing kind of desk job stuff, doing the same thing Day in day out, making other people money. You know, some people love that kind of thing, but for me, I wanted my own thing to do with my own life. That kind of played with my OCD a little bit, so I could do different things and kind of wander off and do different tangents. And then, you know, Kindle came along and I started hearing, you know, loads of stories about, you know, people who were making a living writing books. You know, writing fiction or nonfiction. And it was it was amazing to me. And I thought, you know, I could, you know, I could do this. You know, I've always enjoyed writing, but you know, they don't they don't teach you in school about being an author as a career path do they? you know, really, you know, it's, they teach creative writing. It's sort of an optional class, you know, at university. It's always sort of like the, you know, the optional credits that you do because you have to, and you know, no one really sits down with you and says, you know, you could make a great author, you know, and here's the career path. And here's exactly how you go do it. It just doesn't happen. And ever since Kindle came along and sort of opened up the gates you know, people are actually looking at this and going, you know, wow, I can actually feasibly make a career out of this because I can control my output. You know, I, I can control um, how much work I put in. Like I think is it Gary Vaynerchuk says, you know, you are 100 percent in control of your own output. You know, so this is perfect for me. So I get to have control of my career. I get to be creative, I get to have my own business. Um, so sort of 2011, uh, going into 2012, I thought, you know, I'm going to have a go at this. Worst case scenario, you know, I'm going to have a blast for six months writing a book and it's going to be fun. And if it doesn't sell anything, who cares? Because it's going to be, you know, a fun journey. So I sat down, I wrote my first novel uh, in the Leopold Blake series. I think, you know, first draft six months later, awful, awful book. It really was. So another six months spent rewriting it, finally published it in sort of early 2012, February it was, and, you know, first month, I think it sold something like two hundred dollars. Second month, it was five hundred dollars, and then it sort of tailed off. But the very fact that I was selling books to strangers who were actually, God forbid, enjoying it, was such a rush that I, you know, quickly wrote five more novels um, within the space of a year, and they kind of took off and did amazingly well. And then I started writing nonfiction, helping other authors kind of figure out marketing because that's what I was really enjoying as well as the writing side was actually figuring out how to get the book into readers' hands, build my brand, and build that connection with my audience. And I was loving that just as much as writing the book. So I started teaching other authors how to do that as well, uh, which led to my two nonfiction books, which are all about um, author marketing, which is uh, Reader Magnets and um, Supercharger Kindle Sales. And then finally, um, I went and did a full-blown course on it that helps authors find their first 10,000 readers, which is your first 10,000 readers. Surprisingly. And you know, I've not looked back. You know, so every every month things are getting better and better. Um, I'm getting to spend more time with my family and you know, I couldn't be happier. So it's a great story, and I think it's because, you know, I didn't come from anything special. You know, I don't know anybody in the publishing business, I don't have any contacts at the time. Um, I built that all up from nothing. And I'm one hundred percent sure if I can do it, anybody can. Because I, I'm nothing special. You know, I just sat down, butt in chair. And I put the work in and sometimes it's as simple as that working hard and working smart and knowing what to do next.
0: Mm -hmm. And And so at what point in that story were you able to quit your job and go to doing this full time?
1: It was a little over a year ago. So this was maybe two and a bit years after publishing my first book. Um, So the first year was basically spent failing miserably at, at the marketing side of things. Uh, And the second year was spent realizing what I needed to do and implementing it. And, you know, knowing what I know now, if I was starting from scratch, I could get back to a decent level again, you know, within just a few months, because I know exactly what to focus on, you know, the first couple of years, you know, I was, I was spending all my time writing more books, you know, the conventional wisdom being, if you just write more books, then amazing things will happen which you know is complete nonsense. Um, I mean there are authors out there who literally just write books and they do really well, but they're the exception, you know, they're not the rule. I mean I know thousands of authors who've got 50 titles out who aren't selling anything and maybe five authors who are just publishing 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 and doing amazingly well. You know, you have to have some kind of marketing plan and it took me a while to realize what that needed to be and then even longer to put it into practice because you know you're starting from scratch you're, you're trialing and erroring you're making mistakes you're spending a lot of money making mistakes and you know eventually you figure it out and this is what i put together like a blueprint that other people can follow that i wish i had sort of three years ago you know i'd, I'd have been a lot further along today if i'd have had that so yeah in the last year it's it's been absolutely amazing you know quitting my job meant that i could do this full time spend more time with the family um Not tidy the house, as you can probably tell from looking behind me, but, you know, doing what I love to do, which is the main thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And how did you, let's kind of dive into how you learned all these things, how they went from, I don't know what I don't know, and I'm struggling for a year to slowly learning those. Like, what was that process like? And how did you discover those things that you needed to be doing?
1: Well, the conventional wisdom, I think at the time, sort of 2012, 13 was, you know, one, the myth just write more books and, you know, amazing, magical things will happen. And number two, you know, build your brand. You know, the advice is build your brand, build your platform, you know, but nobody tells you how to do that. You know, everyone says, build your platform. Nobody says step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. So it was kind of like trying to decipher what these people meant and how they were doing it. And then after enough digging, I kind of started researching into other Uh, other market sectors of internet marketing, you know, and, you know, how they, how they build traffic, how they convert that traffic into subscribers and fans, and then how they build a relationship and sell. Um, And it was really looking at people who weren't authors and what they were doing and then adapting that approach into something that works for fiction readers and nonfiction readers. So
0: there's a a great lesson there. You were, you looked outside of your industry to find things that were working and then applied them into what you were
1: doing well this is it i mean there are no new ideas in reality there are existing ideas that you can repurpose for something for something else but in reality you know this kind of marketing approach that everybody talks about today has been around for hundreds of years you know just in a different guise and it's just built up and developed over time so what we have to do as marketers is understand what you know what is working In the market in general and how certain aspects of that could work for our niches and our sectors and you know understanding what to look out for and recognizing what works is you know it's a skill that can be learned absolutely and i think that's what people need to do is pay attention test and implement you know but if you're starting from a framework of knowing you know these are the main three steps you know i need traffic in this case readers looking at my book I need to convert that random traffic into, um, into into subscribers, email subscribers. And then I need to learn how to sell via email. You know, those three concepts have been around for as long as the internet has existed, but we're only really just starting to apply it in author land and understanding how to do it without coming across as scammy and sleazy and actually focusing on building a relationship. And that's what takes time.
0: Got it. And I really want to, dive into some of the specifics and details on that just a little bit later but before we do that i want to talk about from discovering that to to implementing that and seeing results what did that look like
1: it's like a year i think it was a good year Mm -hmm. um of figuring out you know because everyone says you know in the step one get traffic right everyone worries about traffic you know it's where can i get readers from and you know i think you've, you have Ryan Dyson talking about this as well. I know he'll say exactly the same thing is, you know, there isn't, there is no shortage of traffic in the world. You know, people are on the internet 24 seven billions of people, people are there, you know, it's not going to dry up overnight. You know, you've either got to work for it or you've got to go pay for advertising and buy some traffic. You know, there is no shortage. You've just got to figure out how to use it properly. And I think a lot of authors, they despair because they put their books up on Amazon or they run a free promotion, but all they've done is click a couple of buttons and they're, you know, they're astounded when their book doesn't shoot up to the top 50, you know, (laughs) and it doesn't work like that. You know, we hear these stories from the early days where people would throw up a 99 cent or a free ebook and suddenly they'd be rich that doesn't happen anymore. You've got to work for it. You've got to be smart and figure out where to get traffic from. And, you know, I tried Twitter. I tried organic Facebook, you know, it just struggled for such a long time. You know, you work for hours and hours writing stuff in your Twitter feed or on your Facebook page. You know, you, you you are getting so excited because someone liked it and someone shared it. It's amazing, but no one buys anything. And it took me such a long time to realize that actually I need to go direct to readers instead of trying to go through Facebook or Twitter or Amazon. We can't rely on these companies to do our job for us because they can turn the tables anytime, change the rules. Like Facebook have in the past, Amazon brought in Kindle Unlimited and kind of ruined it for a lot of people. We have to control that. So I realized, I think with BookBub coming out with with their big kind of push, um, sort of 2013, they really hit the scene. And I realized that, you know, they've got this huge database of email addresses, and they can send a book into the top 20 on Amazon just by sending an email. So all I have to do is build an email list. And when it gets big enough, I'll be able to do the same thing. So my focus became 100% building an email list. And I think from that day, until sort of the end of the year. So six months after realizing that I needed to focus on emails, I built up like 15,000 email addresses for my fiction list and realized that I was onto something you know, pretty good because I could send an email out. I could sell 500 books, 600 books. I could launch a book into the top sort of 200 on Amazon and they'd they'd stick around because I could email out about other promotions as well. But it was kind of that light bulb moment it was when I knew that I had to focus on building email and that was really when it all made such a change because you've got that focus, you get that drive, work on everything towards that goal and it makes such a huge difference.
0: Great. And I, I want to dive into more on the, the list side of things because that's so important. That's what you preach and that's what we geek out on, on all the time. And I, I think that people get Amazon drunk, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they've got their Amazon goggles on and... Yeah they just think, hey, this is everything is great in the world and I'm just going to let Amazon do their thing and I'm just going to collect the checks. But as you were saying, that's just not the case. So how did you go from, like you recognized you weren't Amazon drunk. You recognized that and said, okay, Facebook doesn't work. Organic reach sucks. Twitter's not moving books. This isn't moving books. You made that switch over to, all right, got to build my email list. Now, what did that look like and what were some specific things you did from the get go to build that email list. Cause you said it was what, 6,000 people within a few months or something like
1: that. It was 15,000 in six months. Got it. Yeah. So it was, it was a big jump from nothing to big email lists just by kind of doing one thing. And I started off with the, the you know, this is what most authors do or um, well, 99% of authors won't do it at all. And then 99% of that 1% will do it like this. And the way I did it was I would put a sign up for my newsletter, you know, in my books or on my website. And I was like, yeah, people are going to sign up for this. I'm going to get so many people Like none. (laughs) I had to think four or five people a month, you know, in the first couple of months of trying this were signing up. And again, this is looking at other industries, but realizing that you have to give something to people in return for an email address because an email address it's private confidential it's contact information people aren't just going to hand it over unless they're getting something of value back again so this is where i came up with the idea of, of reader magnets which is based on the idea of a, a lead magnet where you are you know or an ethical bribe i hate that term but people use it as a way of getting email addresses in return for something of value so for fiction it was um i i decided to make one of my um, shorter books, a novella. I decided to offer it for free for somebody if they signed up to my mailing list. I didn't call it a mailing list, I called it a reader's group. So there was no connotation with getting newsletters because no one wants newsletters. I mean, who looks forward to newsletters? You know. They come, through the, they come through the post books They go straight in the bin. You know, you get newsletters via email every single day. They're not special. They're not interesting. Joining a reader's group is a little bit more interesting, especially if you're getting a free book in the process. And it doesn't have to be a free book. You know, it could be, uh, it could be bonus chapters. It could be, you know, anything you can think of, audio versions. If you're doing nonfiction, it could be like a case study or a cheat sheet. You know, something related to the book that people have just read. Offer them a little bit more for free, but they have to do something in return. They have to sign up to your reader's group and people will do it. And my, my, my subscription level went from sort of four or five a month to 20 a day without having to do anything. Literally, that's the only change I made. And then it was just a case of getting more traffic to that page so that more people would sign up. And I did that just by using free, free books on Amazon and Kobo and iTunes, you know, permanently free books, free promotions, because the number of downloads you get is exponentially higher compared to your paid sales, you're getting much more traffic, like 50 times as much traffic to your page, 50 times as many people are seeing your reader magnet, you know, more people are going to sign up. So I was quickly seeing sort of 50 or 60 people a day signing up and I wasn't doing anything, literally just sat back and let it happen. And then after six months, 15 odd thousand people would signed up. And, you know, I can now send emails out. I can do good promotions. I can launch really strong. And it didn't really cost me much to do. You know, it was the cost of a, a MailChimp account, which is uh, pennies, really. And it's made all the difference.
0: That's great. And I love the different levels there. So we've got most authors right here who have no way to capture emails. This is this sad but true is the vast majority. Then we yeah. have the the, the barely a level up, which is sign up for my newsletter. Then we have, you made the change, which was a reader's group, which that went from four or five a month to about 20 a day. And then the next change, which was on top of the reader's group, um, you had the free books inside Kindle, Kobo, all that. And so then that went up from 20 to 60 a day. Is that, that correct? That process? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, you know, and I think, I think having that, having four or five a month, people signing up is probably worse than having nobody because it's just so depressing, (laughs) because you want to get that number up, because you know you need to do it, and it's just not happening. Um, But yeah, offering people a free book and telling them um, that they can join a readers group, that made a huge difference. And then I sort of doubled, maybe even tripled my results by using free promotions, because just the sheer number of people who will gobble up free books is amazing. And it's a built-in filter, because only the people who liked the book enough to join the readers group to get the next book are going to do it. So your email list is automatically filled with very qualified, very targeted customers and readers. So it's, you know, it's the perfect system for automatically growing your list and automatically filtering out all the people you don't really care about. Now it's, it's, it's great.
0: And instead of paying for leads, you're getting paid or doing it for free and getting a ton of
1: leads. Exactly. Which is it's a nice difference. It's free advertising. I mean, you can you can spend thousands and thousands on Facebook ads, you know, or you can you can use uh, you can use free promotions, which, you know, sometimes you'll pay to run a free promotion with BookBub or something, you know, granted. If you've got perma-free books, that's great because that will just run in the background. But pay a few hundred dollars for a big promotion, get 800, 900 people onto your email list. You've just made your money back not to mention all the boosted sales you're going to get as a result. So it really is win-win.
0: Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. And now out of that 15,000 people that joined the list, what would be the breakdown that you would say from your existing books versus from perma-free books?
1: Of people who join.
0: Mm -hmm. Like out of that 15,000, how much of that would you say is from, like, what's that breakdown of how people got on that list?
1: So almost all of them joined through the permafree book because it compared to the paid books, Mm -hmm. just the sheer amount of traffic. I mean, we're talking, you know, at its peak, it was getting 500, maybe even a thousand downloads a day Mm because it was very, it was very optimized. It was popular. It was getting great reviews and it was doing really well. You know, I wasn't selling a thousand copies a day of my other books. I mean, I wish I was. But I was getting those email addresses, so it was ma- made all the difference. Uh, people will still sign up through the other books as well, but it's, the vast majority come through a perma-free title or they'll come through a free promotion. So maybe I've done a promotion with BookBub or a different advertiser. They see the reader magnet, they join up. Um, I use giveaways as well. You know, I offer, a, offer a, a bundle of paperbacks. People will join up and I'll send them my reader magnet and they'll join my mailing list. You know, It's a great way of getting your name out there and not having to spend very much money to do it. And then you've got that got that contact information. You've got that direct line to your readers, and then you can run a promotion whenever you like. So you've got your own sort of mini book bub ready and waiting for you whenever you need it. Cool. And
0: let's... So you, you've got the, the free stuff coming in. Have you noticed a difference like free versus paid side? Are those subscribers... The free subscribers lower quality or are they still good quality?
1: Still good quality because it's a it's a transactional relationship when they first start. So I'm not just sending them free stuff. I'm saying if you want something free, you gotta do something for me first. You gotta subscribe, you gotta confirm your email address, and then I send them, you know, I send them questions. I ask them what kind of authors they like to read. You know, I send them information about other authors' books as well. So I kind of build that relationship up quite early on. Before trying to sell something. So by the time they get to the point where I'm asking them to buy something, you know, the relationship has has gone up pretty high. I mean, they know who I am. They know what I'm all about. They know what I stand for. And those who don't unsubscribe, which is most people, um, they're ready to buy. So it's pretty high all the way through.
0: And of that, building that 15,000 person email list, did you see that pretty steadily 60 a day? Was it a big bump in the in the beginning, didn't settle down? Was it driven by promos? Like how does that that curve kind of even out?
1: So it's, it's kind of like um, you get a peak and then it would drop and then you get a slightly higher peak and it would drop. So the kind of average line is like this, but in reality it's kind of like up, down, and slightly more up, slightly down, slightly more up but climbing. So you do a promotion and it spikes, then it drops, but it drops down to higher than it was before. You do another promotion, it spikes, drops down, but the overall trend is upwards. So it's not a case of, you know, you add 10,000 in one day, you kind of add 21 day, 61 day, 50 another run a promotion and add 500. Then you start adding 70 a day, 80 a day drops down to maybe 30 a day for a week or two do a promotion Another thousand people join, then it drops down to like 150, you know, it kind of builds up over time.
0: Yeah. And are you doing like, are you mostly doing promotions to the existing perma-free books? Are you putting out more perma-free books? Like when you talk about those spikes, what does that look like?
1: So that is the perma-free book and I will sort of cycle through free promotions on my other books as well. So this is what I did when I was really focusing on building that list up was I had, um, I had four of my books in KDP Select plus one permafree. And the permafree would run along in the background quite nicely. And then I would cycle through free promotions on my other books. So let's say January, I'd run a free promotion on my permafree book, and that would spike. Then in February, I'd run a free promotion on my normally paid book, but I'd make it free for a couple of days. That would spike it. A month later, the next book and I cycled through all my books and then I started taking them out of KDP select. So I built up that email list and I wanted to start building it up outside of Amazon as well. And then I started getting free promotions on iBooks and Kobo and Nook as well. So through draft digital and Smashwords too, they were running promotions. So it just kept spiking all over the place on different retailers and building up that list continuously through perma free or limited time, free promotions, or I was running giveaways as well you know, off-site giveaways where I would offer a bundle of paperbacks and I would pay $10 to list it in a giveaway directory or something. And that would spike another sort of 5,000 people would come in and, you know, sign up to my list and I maybe keep 800, 900 of them would stick around. You know, it was great. You know, I was, I was getting signups for like seven cents on average, you know, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And that's just all I've, I've just kept doing that really. You know, you assign, you assign a nominal value per subscriber. You know, you figure out how much each subscriber is worth to you. So let's say a dollar, you know, you add 500 subscribers, that's another $500 in your pocket. You know, think of it like that. Focus on building up that email list. And it's basically money in your pocket to be used in the future.
0: And now what would you say are your top three sources of leads? You talked about giveaways. You talked about Amazon, iBooks, Kobo. Like if you had to rank them in terms, in terms of the most leads that you get, what would be that top three?
1: Well, the top one is definitely free books. So on all the ebook retailers, when you have a free promotion or a permanently free book, if you've optimized the book properly, if you've got a good cover, if it's a good book, people are going to download it. You know? And out of those people, a percentage will sign up to your mailing list. And that's, for me, the number one way of getting people onto your mailing list, because one, it's really effective. Two, it doesn't cost you much, if anything. And three, it just runs in the background. So it's absolutely fantastic.
0: And do, and then, do you, one second. Do you, do you see a, a particular platform that does better than the others? Like what is How does that on the free side? Like how does that break out?
1: Well, Amazon is just, it's the biggest, you know, by far. It's like 70, 80% of okay, traffic cool. will be Amazon. Um, but you mean you shouldn't discount the other sites. Um, so number two, um, I'd say giveaways. I mean, I ran a giveaway. I gave away a, a Kindle Voyage. Uh, last year, I had, I think I paid $25 for a featured listing in some giveaway sites, had 8,500 people sign up to my mailing list, filtered out the people who weren't interested in my books. And, you know, I would kept 2,000 of that. So paying $200 for 2,000 email addresses, you know, was that like 10 cents, less than 10 cents. My math is terrible, but it's pretty <laughs> cheap. You know, yeah. Very cheap, very high volume, very repeatable. Um, I mean You do have to actually go through the effort of setting up the giveaway, but it's it's a great source of targeted cheap leads. And uh, the last one, I mean, Facebook ads in recent months have been doing really well. Uh, not quite as high performing as, as the giveaways in terms of cost per lead. So the cost per lead for a Facebook lead for fiction might be 40, 50, 60 cents. So you're still making a profit, but it's just not quite as cheap as the giveaways. But the main benefit of Facebook is it's much more scalable. So you can leave your ads running uh, and you've got access to, to Facebook's like billion strong audience. So where it doesn't quite match up in terms of cost per lead, you can scale that up infinitely. So, you know, growth plans, if you want to grow seriously in the future, Facebook ads are going to take you there. Absolutely.
0: Got it. And you hit the nail on the head, which that was a question I was going to ask is the scalability of the free side of things. So I love that you talked about Facebook ads. What kind of stuff are you doing on the Facebook ads? Because 50 cent leads are still pretty cheap. Um, mm. what, what
1: kind of stuff are you doing on that side to get, get those leads? Well, it depends on your on your niche and your audience. So let's say, I mean, in my nonfiction uh, business where, you know, there's a lot more revenue to be had. Um, the cost per lead is, is significantly higher. So we're sort of talking 2 or $3 per lead. But I might make back 7 8 $9 in revenue later on down the line. With fiction, it's a very broad demographic. So one thriller reader, in my case, is going to be very different from another thriller reader. Put them in a room, they have nothing in common. But two people who are interested in learning about how to market their books, put them in a room, they're going to be very similar. So... It's a different kind of ballgame, but with fiction, you have a much bigger audience. So you've got, you know, tens and hundreds of millions of people to go at. Um, so you can get very cheap leads, but they're not going to bring you in as much revenue as something that's more targeted. So, yes, that is a cheap cost per lead in general, but your revenue per per lead is going to be a lot lower. So you might only make back a dollar or a dollar fifty on a 50 cent spend. You know, obviously, that's a great ROI but you want to keep that cost per lead down as low as possible. So, I mean, the way to do it is is using um, custom audiences, making sure your website's got tracking pixels so that you can build up a Facebook audience inside of your ads manager, um, making sure that you're tracking people. And then you can target these particular people based on their behavior on your website. You can target people based on what Facebook pages they like. So, you know, if you write thrillers, you might want to target people who like Um, David Baldacci or Stephen Leather, you know, you can target them with ads specific to that genre and then send them to an opt-in page and you can do really well with that. Um, And you can even send people straight to a, straight to an Amazon sales page as well. If you've got an audience that's specific enough and your product converts well at a decent price, that will do pretty well as well. So people are doing great things with bundles. I've got a bundle on there as well. That's $6. And I'm sending people there um, who have landed on my website and shown interest in that book. So there's a pixel on there who's tracking Facebook users who have shown interest in that book. And then I retarget them with ads later on down the line. Um, people who sign up for my mailing list, they'll go to like a they'll go to like a a separate landing page that talks about that bundle. And then if they don't buy it, they'll get a pixel as well and they'll get tracked. And I've got my email list is being tracked on Facebook as well. So, you know, it's all very sort of ninja. Kind of behind the scenes stuff where this huge audience on facebook is being catalogued in my ads manager and then like if i want to if i want to promote my bundle i know who's potentially interested in bundles so i can send an advert to them if i want to target people who haven't signed up to my mailing list yet i know exactly who they are i can go target them with a an ad that says sign up and get a free book you know if you like Stephen leather you'll love this kind of thing <laughs> and it's you know the possibilities are endless Um, but you know, word of warning, it can get very expensive very quickly. I mean, I've had campaigns that I've spent, you know, a thousand dollars on that didn't make back half that, but over time you tweak and you, you optimize. And I consider that, you know, an investment in failing, which is absolutely fine. And you're paying for an
0: education in the beginning, right?
1: Paying for an education. Um, and it's, you know, it's getting now, now getting to the point where, I can set up an ad and I know that it's going to work and I know I'm going to make a profit off of it. And it's just a case of then gradually scaling it up so that where, you know, you might have been getting five signups a day from Facebook by spending um, $2 a day. You might want to scale that up slowly over time so that you're spending $20 a day. And then maybe you're getting 60 signups a day and, you know, just keep building it up slowly over time. And you can basically scale as high as you want to just keep an eye on the stats And this is the probably the most recent breakthrough for Facebook and authors is this new interest targeting um, is this interest targeting that we can do there. And it's just absolutely amazing. Really, really powerful stuff.
0: Now, what kind of ads are you sending to those people? Are you going back? I know you said sometimes it's to an opt in page, sometimes it's to actual Amazon page. Is it? Are we doing a similar free book offer? Like what's, I know you talked like, hey, if you like Stephen Levy, you might like this, but what are some other examples of like the type of ads you would run?
1: Really simple stuff. So just a nice eye-catching image. Um, this may be for my thriller series, it might be a guy looking all broody, brooding and exciting, and he's in a trench coat and it's raining and he's got a gun or something kind of hidden. And, you know, it's a big picture of something exciting going on. And then just a little bit of text that says, you know, exciting thriller series get a get a full book for free click here and people will go to a landing page and they'll sign up and I'm getting conversion rates of fifty five sixty percent on these ads which for cold traffic is pretty pretty good which is very exciting stuff um, and it's just playing around having a bit of fun seeing what people respond to and Facebook makes it very easy because they give you such a in depth level of reporting you can figure out which demographics are responding you know men versus women which age groups whether they're married or unmarried what part of the world they live in what town they live in what their other interests are whether they use mobile phones or what their spending habits are you can you can drill down to like the nth degree of targeting and that's what makes facebook so powerful is that you know i've read case studies where there's been practical jokes played by people running Facebook ads to one person, <laughs> because the targeting is so good. You know, playing with their minds It's really is that powerful. So, very cool stuff.
0: I remember seeing that study where it was a guy playing the prank on his roommate. Yeah, that was and it. And he keeps serving up ads, ads yeah. to him, and and he's like tormenting him with these ads. And the guy's like, "How did yeah. these
1: people know so like, that? Is Is your name Brad? Do you live in an apartment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trading paranoid, is genius but you literally can get that deep with it and that's what makes it so powerful but again trial and error buzzword Mm -hmm. of the day you know spend thousands of dollars on it but you eventually learn it and it's totally worthwhile
0: now let's talk about the monetization side of things because you 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 briefly mentioned earlier okay i know my person's on this email list is going to be worth a dollar fifty or or maybe up to a few bucks or you know there's that range there For someone who's just getting into this, which I imagine would be a lot of people watching this, how do you monetize that list? And then Mm. we'll follow up with how do you figure out that number of what those subscribers are worth?
1: Well, it all starts with the audience that you're going for. So with my fiction examples, we know already that everybody on my mailing list has read at least one of my books and was interested enough to sign up to get another. So I know they're interested in, A, books I've written, and B, books that are like mine so it's pretty easy to figure out what kind of things they're going to like is thrillers All i've got to do is tell them about thrillers and they'll buy them preferably mine because then i get more money um but you see how it works it's pretty easy by the very fact that they are on my mailing list they must like thrillers enough to buy them and that's what i see is that they they absolutely do respond so it's relatively easy to monetize once you understand uh, what drives your audience And then you've taken a bit of time to actually build a relationship with them. So I don't just send out a selling email the minute they sign up. You know, I I send them a couple of warming up ones. I say, you know, hey, my name's Nick. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. Um, Here's some books that I love to read. And I'll I'll send them to some books on Amazon that are free, hopefully free still. And I say, you know, I love this book. It's free. Go check it out. And then I ask them, uh, what books do you enjoy? And people email me back and they say, you know, I like this author. I like that author. And then I hear the same name enough times. I send them information about those books as well. Mm. I'm not trying to make any money out of them at this point. But then maybe after a few weeks, they know who I am. We've built up a bit of a rapport. And then I send them an email saying, you know, you know, I, I word it better than this, but basically say, have you read my Next book yet? If not, here's the link. Go check it out, and people respond really well to it because they're not being bombarded with sales emails. I've taken the time to try to get to know them. I've told them who I am, built that trust up, and they respond really well. And the exact same approach with the nonfiction side as well, um, which gets even more interesting because then you can look at affiliate stuff. If you're, you know, if you're writing in a niche, let's say you write about, um, I don't know, marketing book marketing like I do there's affiliate products out there that I've used that are really good that I recommend to people um, I put together videos it shows them how to use it and you know a percentage of people will buy that product and I'll earn a commission or I'll have a course or a product of my own that I can sell um, so the opportunity is much kind of much better for nonfiction stuff because it's much more targeted so I know exactly what these people want I can offer them something that's going to give them a load of value with fiction, all I know is they, they want books, so that's I can't really sell them anything else. But depending on how targeted your niche is and your audience is, you could potentially, you know, scale that up to pretty much any way you like.
0: That's a so great that take. Really,
1: that's how you monetize, basically.
0: That's a great takeaway. Um, and. One follow-up question on that. Are you mostly sending people to your books? Are you also sending to other books like through affiliate, through Amazon Associates stuff? Like are you making money off of that or how does that work?
1: So I make a small amount of money from Amazon Affiliate stuff. I mean a couple of hundred dollars a month on a good month. Um, But it's not that exciting because I'm in the UK. So they send me a check after like 100 days. Then I've got to pay like 20% to cash it and then it takes another 60 days to show up in my account by which point i'm bored
0: so it's not that <laughs> exciting
1: but i use the affiliate link so i can track performance of how well it's doing uh, you know just to make sure my my audience is still responding well um but you know I make a small amount of money off of that if i was being really cutthroat you know i might be looking into what else these people might want to buy so maybe they want to buy a kindle at christmas i might send them a, an email about the new kindle paperwhite or something i haven't yet done that um, because I'm much more interested in them reading, but that is something you could do if you if you were so inclined. Absolutely,
0: that makes sense. Now, what would you say? Because we've we've covered a lot of ground here, and we started talking about Facebook ads, about pixels, about email list, links, like all this stuff. What would you say to the person who says, "Look, Nick, this all sounds really like a lot of technical work." And, and I'm not a technical person. What would you what would you say to that person? Because I feel like there are people who are probably thinking that or questioning themselves right now.
1: Yeah, so I, I wasn't a technical person either. I learned all this stuff from scratch. And I think, you know, you, you talked to me maybe six months ago, and then you talked to me like the other day, and you can see the difference. Like I'm talking about stuff that I didn't even know existed a few months ago because I sat down and learned it because I wanted to understand. So, you know, you've got two options. You know, you can do the trial and error, working out yourself, learn it, or you can go find, you know, someone to do it for you or go find um, some education or a course or something that says, you know, do these five exact things exactly like this and it will work. You know, those are your choices. Um, Don't pay any money and do it yourself and potentially pull your hair out and smash your own face through a wall, which is what I've done several times. Um, or, you know, pay, pay for the information, pay someone to do it for you, you know, take the stress away entirely up to you. But if you, if you, if you want it enough, you'll make it happen.
0: Absolutely. And it is funny to hear the, uh, the transition. Cause you are, you and I are very similar in the sense that like we did not come a tech, from a technical background and my my business partner James is a lot more technical and you guys have even got on calls because he does a lot of the technical stuff on our side of the business and it is funny to see how from when we were first starting we were both just in the trenches and and trying to figure this out and now it's like you're teaching us stuff and you and James are getting (laughs) on calls and geeking out on the tech side and like we're just creating these complex things but all that's happened in this in the span of a, a few short months which I think Really goes to show just how quickly yeah. you can learn this. Stuff.
1: And you know, I, I don't let technology be the reason you don't do something, because it's, technology is you know either learnable or someone else knows how to do it and they can do it for you. You know, technology is not an excuse not to do something that you want to do. There is a way to do it. You just you know you got to sit down and plan it. So I I'll give you an example as I was putting my my course together uh, last end of the, end of last year. And I knew I had to build a website that could host it and it could have a good user experience and deal with all the membership stuff and the payment stuff. And I was going to do it myself. And I looked at what was required and I knew that it was going to take me maybe two or three months at best. And during that time, I wouldn't be able to do anything else. And the very thought of doing this was stressing me out. So I paid someone to do it for me. Uh, For other less demanding things like learning Facebook ads, for example, you don't just turn on Facebook and go, hey, I understand it. You learn it. You know, I, I paid people to walk me through it. You know, I bought courses on it that show me exactly what I need to do. And as a result, I'm now getting results much faster than I would have done if I'd have sat down and done trial and error. So, you know, don't let technology hold you back. Absolutely don't. There is a way around it for everyone.
0: Absolutely. And I would say for those of, of you guys listening here, I, if you already have a book and if you're looking to grow your author platform, I highly recommend Nick's course, your first 10,000 readers. It's, you know, we, I didn't, I didn't plan on kind of just talking about this at the end, but you, I think it plays straight into this. Like we were talking about paying people to help out and shortcutting the learning curve. And that's something I definitely believe in. I know you as well. I mean, we pay for courses all the time on to help solve specific problems yeah, in issue, our business.
1: Yeah, it goes away overnight. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And we were even talking about this with the deadline funnel and the, the, the ninja next level stuff that yeah. you and I have been brainstorming about. So I think it, it's fitting that we, we do a plug for that. Like, I highly recommend checking out your first 10,000 readers and that'll be very helpful especially if you already have your your first book that's the caveat there if you're looking to maximize your efforts um, and you are an author looking to make more money and and build your platform build your email list things like that definitely check out Nick's course
1: that was a great segue it was almost as though I'd hoped it to go in that direction
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know right
1: amazing (laughs) anyway yeah Thank you for the plug. Much appreciated.
0: No problem. And on on that note, we'll go ahead and and round this out. But before we do, um, Nick, where can people find out more info on you?
1: So head on over to yourfirst10kreaders.com, and there's a bunch of free training on there. So as you've probably gathered, um, I do have a premium course, and I think it's awesome. Hundreds of other authors think it's awesome too. Um, But you don't have to buy it. I've got a ton of free training for you at 1st 10 kreaderscom You can take that and you can go and use it, you know, basically right now and it will start working for you. And, you know, go check out that free training. It will take you a long way. So that's the best place to go. Awesome. Nick,
0: thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed geeking out and diving into the weeds with some of this marketing stuff. Awesome. All right. Talk to you later. See you soon.